Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Welcome to First Bite, our Detroit Lions midweek podcast brought to you by prideofdetroit.com, where we bring you a very special guest to talk Lions topics. We are in the middle of our NFL draft breakdown, breaking down each of our Lions picks going in reverse order, and we are all the way to round two somehow already. Uh, my name is Jeremy Reisman. I'm the host, the co-host, I should say, of First Bite. You can find me at Detroit Online. With me, as always, is senior editor of Pride of Detroit, and you can find him at Ryan underscore POD on Twitter, Ryan Matthews. How are we doing tonight, Ryan? I, I feel like I'm the Andy Richter to your Conan O'Brien. Don't I, say I, that. I, I mean, mean, I love Andy Richter. Don't get me wrong, but. Yeah, but but you know what? You introduce the show. You bring in the guests. Like, you are the host. I am the co-host. Uh, I don't like that. I don't oh, like that. Yeah, this is a partnership nope, here. Yeah, nobody nobody likes getting credit. <laughs> it's uncomfortable when, when you're credited with stuff, but. <laughs> Terry, no further. Let's get into it. Yeah. Uh, as I mentioned, we are into the line. Second round picks. Uh, Josh Pascal is the the man of, of the hour. We're going to talk all about him and to help us get to know him. Uh, an expert, I'm going to say. Uh, I'm not sure if he'll say that uh, on Josh Pascal. He is the uh, he's covering uh, the University of uh, Kentucky football and recruiting for Kentucky Sports Radio. It's Nick Roush. Nick, how you doing, buddy? Well, the guest brought a coffee cup, too, so I'm ready to rock and roll today. Perfect. <laughs> Love to hear that. Uh, well, let, yeah, let's let's get right into it. Um, I want to start at the beginning. Um, his recruitment. Uh, you're, you're, you cover mm-hmm. recruitment there. Um, you know, he, he's pretty highly thought of guy. Um, number what? It's six in, in Maryland, um, 11th ranked in the, in the country at strong side defensive end. So what was the reaction like when Kentucky landed him? And, and, and can you kind of give any insight into um, how the, the recruitment of him worked? Yeah, and uh, I'm going to start by a little uh, warning to all your listeners. I'm a huge Josh Pascal fan, and there's going to be times where you think I'm just blowing smoke to make Lions fans feel great about this pick, but I genuinely believe all the things I'm about to say. I would say this to his face. I'm, I'm, I'm a big Josh Pascal fan, so uh, you brought the right man on uh, for the show. But Josh was a significant recruiting win, and uh, part of the equation, Kentucky did all of the right things. Uh, his brother, Trey, he was actually at UK the same time I was in school. Um, he's now uh, his agent, uh, as a matter of fact. Uh, started an agency in the last year or so um, and represents him for the Lions. But uh, it was one of those things where Trey had finished his playing time. He only got a year or two under Stoops. Um, so they brought him in uh, to be a, a, a GA. And you thought, okay, maybe there's something going on here. But Trey was very open, uh, honest and open. It was like, listen – Go wherever you want to go. Go where you need to go. But, like, don't do it just because I'm here. And, honestly, if I, I'm only here because I actually genuinely still like it here. This isn't the Kentucky that I, I came to school with. Like, the, the, Kentucky's turned things around uh, since Stoops had got here. And I believe it was class of 2016, if I'm not mistaken. So, they, they were 
had gotten five wins. We're, we're picking up some steam. Um, and, and I think it just been to uh, their first bowl game in five or six years, something like that. And getting Josh was huge because Kentucky's mentality, the, the way they've been successful, you know, kind of since he got there um, and, and a part of Stoops resurgence was having strength in the trenches. And Josh's highlight tape is pure comedy. Um, he's playing in the DMV and those, that, those Catholic leagues in the DMV, they're no joke. And I think the first three or four plays, he just destroys the guy in front of him. And it, it just like forces a fumble. It's like Jadavion Clowney uh, versus in, in the Outback Bowl kind of stuff. Careful. So, careful. <laughs> but like, but like that's the kind yeah. of the, the kind of weapon they got. And as soon as he committed, not only was it uh, huge for recruiting success with the program, but in his first game, they, they put him in uh, – they were playing at Southern Miss. It was kind of an odd game. You're not usually playing Conference USA teams on the road. But they had him as just like a pass rush specialist. We're only going to put him in on obvious third down situations. Well, on a third and long, they ran a twist. And Ito Smith, who was with the Atlanta Falcons for a while, caught a screen pass. And Pascal just – I mean, right to the solar plex, just absolutely lit him up. And it was like, okay, this dude's for real. This guy's for real. And uh, really since day one, he, he's been as, as good as advertised for the University of Kentucky. Well, Nikki, you talk about Mark Stoops and, you know, him taking over at Kentucky. He had some really, I mean, it doesn't seem like he's got anything bad to say about a guy like Josh Pascal. One, one of his quotes actually was, he empties his tank every day. One of the most special players, if not the most I've ever coached. So like what I want to know, Nick, is like other than his relentlessness, uh, you know, what, really endeared him to the coaching staff and to his teammates at Kentucky. Josh is one of those guys that sometimes you're, he's so nice. You're like, okay, something going on with this guy. You know, (laughs) you ever been around those kind of people, but he also can take a joke, roll with the punches. Um, And he was initially kind of a quiet kid who just kind of put his nose on the grindstone, went to work, uh, really did whatever they asked him. Kentucky plays a three, four, he started outside linebacker, ended up gaining weight. They're like, we're going to put you a defensive end. So he, he was willing to do whatever, and that included really developing his his skills as, as a vocal leader. Um, and, and I know we'll probably – we'll talk more about it, but um, the, the best way I can put it, because I think where he got that quote from, when Josh had his – when he was recovering from his year-long battle with cancer, so part of his – recovery was a mental thing where he had to understand uh, he was just frustrated as hell because he wasn't as good as he was and he wasn't capable yet to do what he did before he had to go through all the treatment and surgeries and stuff like that and and josh was just going to i mean just fight tooth and nail through it whatever the case may be because that's the that's the kind of dude he is there's just there's nothing there's just something about his intestinal fortitude that it's really hard to quantify. It's really hard to describe. But I, Stoops does a great job there with that, with that quote. Just always emptying the tank, doing whatever he could uh, for the team. Yeah, let, let's dive more into him as, as a person because obviously, yeah, the, there's the cancer story. And, and, and I do want to talk a little bit more about that. But um, I also kind of want to talk about him in terms of graduating, you know, he graduated. He's one of the guys that, uh, in this draft class that did graduate. He got a degree in family science, He's working mm-hmm. on a second degree. Um, so I guess does, does that – one is education important to him i mean seems like the answer is an obvious yes there but i guess how what does that tell you about the kind of person he is i mean 
so Kentucky, he's the first ever three-time team captain in Kentucky football history. Right. Uh, he, he's one of those guys who's um, he's very serious about his business, and it, it's one of those um, just because he's clocked out doesn't mean when he clocks out he's going to uh, be, be 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 tearing up the town. You know, uh, he, he's a he's a man of God. Uh, takes his faith very seriously. Uh, worked with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. I, I want to say he might have even baptized a couple of his teammates. Um, I mean, and you don't have to be a big God guy to be a good person, but he's one of those two that that actually lives it. Um, and and I know a, another thing that doesn't it didn't make headlines probably everywhere because it was that was what was happening in our country, but. Uh, when they're slowly turning back from COVID, we've got racial unrest everywhere. I'm in the city of Louisville. Breonna Taylor gets murdered there. There's protests all over the place. And he was him and part of his team, they they did a stage to walkout of sorts as like a hey, everybody, like this stuff matters to us. Um, in a state where, you know, like to be frank, it wasn't a message that was well received by everyone. Uh and and from personally, it it hit me. Uh, it hit me rather hard as a, as somebody who is a, a, a white man covering African-American athletes, you know, primarily African-American athletes. It helped change my perspective. Uh, I, I, it just, I didn't have the wow moment that the swimming pool I wanted to swim was right down the street from beyond a Taylor. So, you know, I, I, it made me come to grips with some difficult things and it was because of the kind of uh, courageousness, the bravery of Josh Pascal to, be the voice uh, for the team when he knew he was going to take a lot of bullets in this case. He's a selfless guy who is just willing to do whatever, not only to make himself better, but also make the team better. Well, Jeremy alluded to it, and and I think it's a perfect segue because you just talked about how courageous and how brave uh, a person Josh Pascal is. But we got to talk about that 2018 season where he's you know diagnosed with this deadly form of skin cancer in the spring of that year. Uh, I'm reading I'm reading Dane Brugler's draft guide, which is incredible, and I keep on referring to it. But like the the amount the of information awesome. that's in there, it, it's incredible, right? <laughs> but like I, I read in there that. You know, you, you alluded to it, uh, Nick, the, the the surgeries and the treatments that he had. He had he had treatments that required him to learn how to walk again. I mean, let alone play football. So, like, you know, he, he's redshirted. He comes back to play the final, you know, couple games of the 18 season. Like, for all intents and purposes, like, can, can you tell us, like, how he handled such trying times? Well, uh, that the day that everybody found out about it was one of the rougher days on the beat. I, I've been doing this 10 years now, started uh, the year before Stoops arrived, uh, but it was UK football media day. And I think within 48 hours before Stoops found out that Pascal had melanoma on his foot and that John Sharman, Kentucky's offensive line coach, one of his original staff members um, had a, a, a rare form of uh, pancreatic cancer, uh, Jeez. Really? I mean, that was one of those things where, you know, even as a report, we were all just kind of sitting there in stunned silence, trying to wrap our brain around it. And for, for Josh, he gives, I mean, both of those guys gave each other a lot of credit. Now, fortunately, Josh's uh, was much more manageable, uh, although it did require more surgeries than initially they expected. I think he ended up ultimately having three, they had a lot of trouble getting the skin grafts uh, to be able to take. Um, but he had John Sharman there who was going through much worse and was just kind of 
gritting his teeth and, and silently and working through it. And the two really helped one another through it, um, using each other to kind of, how you doing? And also just by example. Um, and, and Josh was one who always put on a brave face. Um, but there was a time, and I, I want to say it was the Florida game. So it's second game of the season. It's still pretty young. Kentucky wins at Florida for the first time since 1986. And, I mean, it, it really was euphoric for Kentucky fans. There have rarely been bigger wins in, in most Kentucky fans' lifetime. And he had to watch from home. And he talked about uh, not too long ago, he was with his sister, and he was trying to, like, keep it together. He was he was happy for his teammates. And then when they drove around campus – and that he just saw everybody celebrating in the streets. Like he just lost it. Like, cause it wasn't fair. There were times where it was very difficult on him, but when he would have, he would have those kind of, he would let it out and then he'd reel it back in. Ultimately, I think it was about three surgeries. And then uh, he ended up having to do immunotherapy and uh, the final immunotherapy stoops told him to leave because he was trying to practice through it. So uh, if that doesn't kind of speak volumes <laughs> to the kind of character he's got, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know what else does. Can, can you speak to the emotions of him returning that year? I mean, that that had to have been kind of an incredible experience is to see him go through all of that in the season and then come what, what turned out to be kind of a, a phenomenal season for, for Kentucky. Yeah. Um, him to come back in those final two games. And I believe he got a sack in the finale. Yeah, it was. Uh, I mean, Kentucky had won 10 games in the season in 41 years and <laughs> So you you put that in the middle uh, where it's bookended by these really emotional highs and lows. Now, you know, you got to credit some of it to his team for really supporting him. Uh, when they would uh, break down, it was JP on three. You know, they would break down on Charmin. Like, th- the two did, I-, I think, were rather intertwined. But I, I it was one of those things, too, guys, where, you know, sometimes you'll hear scuttlebutt uh, kind of leading in, and you're like, man – is this really going to happen? And I didn't want to be the one to put it out there to like jinx it. And I saw him dressed for, and I was like, okay, well maybe they'll let him dress and you know, it'll be kind of a ceremonial type thing, but he started and he didn't play, you know, I mean, he obviously didn't play like a full game he wasn't in shape to do it, but I mean, on the second series, he got a tackle for loss, you know, and and made a play and the, the kind of stadium when they heard his name, it was almost like a touchdown. You know, you got a standing applause from a white crowd against, you know, a, a Sunbelt team. But it was still just one of those moments like, holy crap, like this kid's been through a ton. And uh, like you said, he ended up getting a sack and then was able to travel with the team to the bowl game. And uh, it, 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 even though he was back, it, it did take longer than he would have liked to get where he wanted to be. Uh, you had the 2019 season where – a lot of it, he's just not all the way in shape um, quite yet. Like his foot, uh, as you alluded to um, there, Ryan, he, it, it was on the ball of his foot. So like ha- you're, if you've ever had like turf toe or something, you kind of walk around it and it's real weird. So there was quite a bit of rehab in that aspect of it. Um, 2020 is the COVID year, so it's not exactly what he wanted. And he still gave you a good amount of stuff, but 2021, he was just – off the charts and, and did everything we expected him to always do. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that's a great segue into our next segment, right, Jeremy? Yeah. We're going to talk a little bit more about Josh Pascal and, and what he can bring to the table as a football player. But I mean, 
yeah, we, we, uh, we've learned an awful lot and uh, I'm, I'm excited to, to learn a little bit more. Yeah. Appreciate you sharing some of those stories with us, but yeah, let, let's take a break here. When we come back, we're talking all Josh Pascal, the football player, what he can bring, what he's good at, what he still needs to work on. So stick with us here on first bite. We will be right back. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome back to First Bite. Uh, we are in the middle of Josh Pascal, uh getting to know podcast series that I haven't come up with a catchy name with yet. Um, Ryan, do you have any ideas? Uh, no. Uh, you're clearly on the spot, and I am too. <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, we're here with uh, Nick Roush from Kentucky Sports Radio uh, to give us everything we know. Uh, we, we talked all about Pascal as, as, a, as a person. Now let's get to him as a football player, and I want to start where we kind of left off there, that 2021 season. What was it that finally clicked for him? I, I, obviously, there was the, the injury, there, there was the, the the COVID season, but what it was it was the potential always there? It's just all the distractions were finally gone, or, or was it a, a coach, a scheme? Why why did everything come together for what was maybe one of the best defensive seasons in, in Kentucky football history? You know, some of it was uh, just being fully healthy for the longest he's ever been. Um, that quote you had about from Stoops about emptying the tank. Some of it's just playing through banged up stuff, being, you know, groin injury here. He's got a bad shoulder. Uh, and, and, you know, some of that stuff, when you only have, what, three seconds maybe to get to a quarterback, uh, if that, you know, uh, if, you, if you're a half step slow, that's all the difference in the world. Um, but I, And I think a lot of it really was the health aspect of it. Um, and then some of it was just he had to be the man uh, to an extent for the Kentucky defense. Um, and in previous years, uh, you know, in, in 2018, like Josh Allen was a bad man. Uh, Boogie Watson was also a very talented pass rusher. Uh, but I also think, too, uh, in that 2020 season, there wasn't a whole lot of other guys to draw away. Att- like if you're sliding the offensive line, if you're sliding protection, you, you were going to slide it to Pascal's side. Um, but event, you know, last year it just didn't matter anymore. Um, he was a man possessed, uh, and he really—it it was those big moments. Like uh, you know, as nice as a guy as he is, he flips that switch and he's a psychopath. And <laughs> and that Florida game, man, he was out of control. I, I don't have the stats in front of me, but especially in the run game, that's where that's where he really is at his best as a run 
as an edge setting run stuffer. Like in that Florida game, they didn't. Uh, Emory Jones is was a very average quarterback, and they they had to use him and uh, the the running game. And they they like to do all that kind of zone read stuff. They at least Dan Mullen liked to do all that, and they tried to do it all the time. But pa- like when Pascal's your read man, he could take care of both of them. It didn't matter. He was absolutely a bona fide badass in that game. And the the play that uh, man that that's when he had his biggest play too. Blocked a field goal. Uh, Kentucky returning for a touchdown to take the lead, and, and it, it was one of the loudest crowd pops I, I've ever heard at Kroger Field. Yeah, two, two and a half tackles for loss in that game, by the way. Yeah, not too shabby. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> not bad, not bad, not bad when you have 15 and a half, though, in a season. Like, my goodness. Well, um, and he, he would have led the SEC too, but Will Anderson had 70, you know, like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you know, any yeah, other yeah. year, right? Yeah, we just talked about on our on our podcast uh, earlier this week, Nick. Like the Lions had 197 pressures last year. The Los Angeles Rams had 425. Like sometimes, like <laughs> there's just a group or there's a dude who's doing it much better than everybody else, and whatever you just throw your hands up. So, um, but I, I want to talk more about because uh, well, I, I want to talk more about what you mentioned earlier, Nick. You know, he he spent some time playing linebacker. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. He moved inside, played a little three tech. Um, I mean, it, it seems like this coaching staff for the Detroit Lions just loves versatile dudes that they can move around like chess pieces and and put them in positions to succeed truly. Uh, it's not just coach speak, but like at Kentucky, it seems like that 2021 season was where it all clicked. So like where and how was he most effective? Well, and, and that's where I think he is a good fit for the Detroit Lions because he kind of bounced back and forth. You know, he, he, he got – uh, bigger, you know, uh, they joke, you know, he ate one too many ham sandwiches this offseason, but he has the athleticism to stand up in a three, four, um, but he's at his best uh, actually being that kind of five technique defensive end <laughs> and then using that in, you know, in zone blitzes where he can back off and, you know, jump a lane, uh, a little drag route or something in the flat, something like that. Uh, it or, And especially in twists, so like, Coming from the outside in, he has enough uh, meat on his chicken wings to withstand that. So I, I really do believe that it, it just took him a while to kind of grow into his body to find the right spot for him. Um, because Kentucky calls it their Jack uh, linebacker, where you're the you're, you're you're the big outside guy, and yep. he was he was at that spot a lot, and it allowed him to do a lot of the kind of stuff you'll see in a four three. But they they probably dropped him out more than they wanted to. Uh, out, out of the pass rushing situations. And, and that just, you know, if you're taking away a dozen pass rush attempts a game, like it's, it's just your numbers just aren't going to be the same. So I actually think in a 4-3 as, as a defensive end is is probably where he's best suited as a, as a defensive lineman. And, and it looks like in Detroit, he's going to get some opportunities to, to, to slide in to maybe do a little three tech, especially during, you know, pass rushing downs, third downs, things like that. Yeah. Uh, and I know that's not something completely foreign to him. So can, can you kind of speak to his ability, that, that kind of quick first step inside um, that, that he brings as a, as, a, as a potential like defensive tackle pass rusher? Oh, yeah. It, well, because and, and that was the thing is uh, when they were trying to figure out positions is he was bigger than most outside linebackers, but he was also a step slower. Right. And he was a step quicker on the inside, uh, but you could only use that so often uh, without worrying about the durability factors or so. So especially like you, as you all alluded to, those third down packages, that play off the top against Southern Miss back in 2017 or whatever it was, 
2016. That 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 was that scenario where he just played it perfectly. Um, and and I, I can see that definitely being a role he plays for the Lions in the future. Yeah. So I mean, let's talk about some of those expectations for for Josh in his first year in the NFL. Um, special teams contributor, like right, right from the jump, Nick. I mean, you already talked about the blocked field goal and he had a couple of blocked punts while he's at Kentucky as well. So is that something you see him like immediately being able to do? Yeah. And it was one of those things too. I was curious about how he would clock in some of the sprints and stuff like that. Uh, because you know, it's not all about having your, your, your gunners on your punt return team or, or what have you, you know, I could see him being one of the guys in the, you know, right up in the middle of things, uh, and then sprinting downfield and, and trying to, to lay a block on somebody. Uh, so certainly, certainly, uh, those 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 block kicks, they they, they came in handy. <laughs> they came in handy. And and as I mentioned earlier too, you know he's a he's a for the team guy. You know he's he's not going to uh, be too big of a head to to be able to, um, you know I, I'm too good for this. That that's not going to be Josh. Um, and, and I think another thing, too, that I, I don't want to overlook either is he's a smart football player. Uh, there's some of it's football IQ, but a lot of it's instincts. And uh, there was one play in particular that Malik Cunningham for Louisville, uh, you know, he put up some gaudy numbers last year. He was he was a, a one-man team if there ever was a, a one-man team in college football. And uh, even though Kentucky has beat them by a million points, uh, combined points over the last three games, they typically get their, have their moments before they separate. And Louisville was threatening in the red zone. It was, uh, I want to say, like a third and one. Maybe not the red zone, but fringe field goal range. And they tried to run the option. And Pascal knew that it was coming before the ball was even snapped. He did just enough to make it look like he was biting on the pitch man and then went right after Cunningham. And it was like six-yard tackle for a loss. Couldn't do anything. And, and that kind of – Savviness. I know there's not as much, you know, specifically the option that you would have, but there at the NFL, don't get me wrong, there's plenty of misdirection. There's plenty of complex, sophisticated offenses. And I, I don't think there's anything that you can throw at him that's going to be too overwhelming for Josh Pascal. If, if I could talk a little bit about like the the technical side of his game, because physically, like the speed is there. I mean, his mm-hmm. his 10 yard split on the 40 was actually faster than Aiden Hutchinson's. Um, but if there's a physical limitation, like slightly short arms, six, two, so maybe mm-hmm. six, two, six, three, not, not the tallest kind of edge guy. How does he make up for that? Is, is it good hand usage, good foot, you know, feet, good foot speed balance, that sort of thing. He, he's got really violent hands Yeah, um, and, and playing in the sec. I mean, there's just, you got to live and die by that kind of physicality. Uh, and that's, that's why he's so good in the run game. If there was a shortcoming of his, it is just his uh, ability to finish as a pass rusher. Um, I mean, you could have tacked on four and a half more sacks. Uh, hell, we'll, we'll just call it an even six over that 2019 and 2020 season where there's so many times where he was either there, he, he was right there and he wasn't getting home or it, it just something was a little bit off. Um I don't, I don't, I don't know how you close that gap. But if I was going to be critical of uh, of his play at all, it's it's finishing in those pass rush uh, opportunities. Well, you know, I, I I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you, Nick, because um, you mentioned some other great Kentucky players, Josh Allen, right? Um, Bud Dupree is mm-hmm. another another name that comes to mind. Um, what what player maybe in today's NFL? stands out to you is like, that's kind of the blueprint for like Josh Pascal. You know, when, when I see that guy play that, that, 
that seems to be like what he'll be able to bring at the next level um, when he's playing on Sundays. Oh man, that's a really good question. <laughs> that, is, that is a good question because uh, man, he's because as Jeremy said, slightly undersized, but he's got the athleticism and, and like you just mentioned, violent hands. Just say Aaron Donald. Well, I mean, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm, just kidding. I'm kidding. But, I'm kidding. but I mean, if you, I mean, Matt House, who was Josh's defensive coordinator initially, coached uh, Aaron Donald uh, at Pitt before they got there. Um, but th- there is a little bit of that. It's just he doesn't have that same amount of juice, right? You know, and I, I'm trying to think of a good kind of run stopper. If if we're being completely candid, going into this draft, he just felt like a Baltimore Raven. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. from like a culture fit, uh, just everything about it, especially, you know, that division, um, is, is you really got to deal with some physical running teams yeah. like the Steelers and stuff. And of course you'll do that with the bears, um, because the bears, their, their offense was stuck in 1985, uh, <laughs> same time the last time they were relevant. <laughs> um, but you know, between that and, and having to deal with some, like the, the Vikings got talented running backs and Dalvin cook, like that's. That's where he is at his best. Uh, if you're and for a second round pick, you're trying to find a decent edge. It's hard to get a guy that's going to have that juice, but you're not going to find a, a much better run stuffer. But I, I think to to that point, Nick, right? Like that's why we see you know him go a lot earlier than I think a lot of people were anticipating him going in the draft because mm-hmm. there's something about this kid between his coachability, between his attitude, and between some of the physical traits that he has. That's why he wasn't a third round pick like a lot of people thought. And that's why Jeremy, like Brad Holmes said, you know, we we had to get this guy now or else we weren't going to get him. Yeah. And if he does end up making that transition to the interior, then you've got a huge, you know, that's that's a huge win. Uh, I, I don't know what his uh, path is, where, where the need is immediately, how he can fit in that puzzle piece well, um, especially just from a, dealing with being in the middle of the defensive line, just the, the physical demands of it. But if he can be into that, then he's a freaking steal, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. he, he's an, he's an absolute steal. So I, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to watching his career uh, progress. I really like what the lines have been doing, just following from afar. Uh, I, I'm not, I don't have an NFL team per se, even though I say I'm a Steelers fan. I just, I love watching all the games on Sunday red zone and everything. And it is, it is good to see the Lions like, all right, we're going, we're, we're going to develop an identity. We're going to win in the trenches, uh, and the rest will ultimately, you know, uh, Amon Ross, like that, that stuff will come together. You yeah. don't have to just go out and get a bunch of receivers with the top 10 pick every year after year after year after year. Yeah. Uh, one more question about Pascal, and it's kind of relevant today because, um, you know, he's, he's actually missed the past couple of weeks of, of practice with an injury. Today, Dan Campbell said it was a lower extremity injury, which is a very strange way to explain an injury. Um, but obviously, uh, a lot of people who, who have followed Pascal closely immediately kind of go to mind of, of how his career ended uh, at Kentucky dealing mm-hmm. with um, some sort of lower body injury. I, I saw it explained as a, a lower leg injury. I've seen it explained as a groin injury, something that kind of lingered it, uh, towards the end of the season. I don't, I don't know if you have any insight. I think it was like a hernia slash groin. Uh, I don't know if he had surgery or not on it, uh, but he was good enough to do all the stuff. I, I hope we didn't re-aggravate it, though, but sorry for bringing it up there. It, it, no, no. made I, it all the way to the without any technical difference. <laughs> we, we almost made it. We almost made it, and I, I do appreciate you jumping back on to, to clarify that because that is something that 
uh, I know Lions fans are a little anxious about right now um, because the Lions have a, a poor history with second round picks and just this seems like maybe the latest in poor luck. But anyways, uh, last thing, Nick, I just want you to kind of have the floor to, to promote whatever you want to promote. Where they where can people find you on, on Twitter, social media, listen to you, hear you, anything? Uh, you can find me. I, I'm at KentuckySportsRadio.com. Uh, Roush KSR, that's R-O-U-S-H-K-S-R is Twitter. That's where you'll find uh, most of my work. I w- love to hate on Louisville and Tennessee fans. I'm dunking on them regularly. Um, <laughs> if you just want to follow Kentucky football from far, I'll give you the most entertaining Cliff's Notes version as possible. Uh, Will Levis could be your quarterback of the future. Just saying. Could, yeah, could be out there. So go ahead. Give it a follow. Um, anything's possible. Um, I, I do a bunch of other stuff too, but and I tweet about that as well. If you if you want to find some more audio entertainment, but uh, Roush KSR on Twitter is real. You'll get the best Cliff Notes version of everything Kentucky football. Well, Nick, very very much appreciate yeah, thank your time. you so much, man. Bringing the energy, bringing in the facts, and, and bringing a lot of hype to a, a guy that I already know Lions fans were already pretty pretty excited about. So appreciate your time. Appreciate everyone listening. We will be back next week. We are already up to Jameson Williams version and we'll have a nice Alabama guest to to talk about that. But until then, appreciate you all listening. It's chaos. Be kind.